All right, this is your place's call. You are listening to episode two of Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we're going to be sitting down with our good friend Peyton Breinick, the founder and director of New Era Theater Company. Come along with us as we hear about his theatrical journey, his company, and his passions. Later on, in honor of Lin-Manuel Miranda's birthday, the day this drops, Peyton will join us for a brief discussion on the social and cultural impacts of Lin-Manuel Miranda's smash hit Pulitzer Prize winning musical, Hamilton. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe wherever you're listening. And with that, let's get the show on the road. Hi, Peyton. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is such a, a cool thing you guys are doing. I'm super pumped to be here. We are so glad that you could come on. We're so hyped to have you and get to hear from you. I mean, you've got the coolest story, so I'm really glad that you get to be our first guest. Yeah, thanks. I feel honored. <laughs> it's crazy. So, if you listened last week, you'll know that one of the segments we, we are going to be doing with our guests is 60 Second Life Story. So, Peyton, are you prepared? Are you ready? I think so, yeah. Okay. I I told you guys I... I, I tried to have a near-death experience before to have my life flash before my eyes to have like a story to tell, but I don't, I don't know if that's necessary. So I, I think I'm good. Um, so yeah, you guys want to get the timer ready? All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Pressure's ready? on. Set. Go. All right. So I'm Peyton. I'm from Philly. I'm 17 years old. I just started a theater company. And uh, so I, I guess I'll go back to the, to the beginning. I was born in Charlotte. North Carolina. And then when I was about three or four, um, I moved to Philly, which is where I, like, I, I pretty much have grown up. So yeah, I mean, I have a younger sister. I have two younger sisters. One is 13. Other one is two. And um, <laughs> Jesse's making faces right now. She loves, she loves the younger one. But yeah, I just, I kind of found a love for theater. I did a church show when I was about five years old. And that, that was, I didn't really necessarily want to do it, but my mom was like, Oh, you should go out. You should try it. So I did it. And then since then it's kind of been just a uh, improvement from there starting out in the, the little church choir show. It wasn't really a choir show, but you know, it's just, just a, a little performance. So since then I, I've taken singing lessons, taking acting lessons and been a part of some great productions with you guys like Lame is uh, legally blonde so that they were both awesome shows and yeah i'm just i'm so excited to be here right now and talk about talk about like my stuff that i'm doing i'm impressed that was like one minute 10 seconds well done was it okay cool i that thought i maybe ranted a little too much <laughs> no that was awesome so let's um let's circle back so five-year-old peyton i'm having a hard time picturing you so young but five-year-old peyton your church show talk about that and that first experience yeah I don't, I don't remember it super well but I remember my mom just kind of being like oh yeah you should do this and I, I didn't really like the idea of doing that I had a little bit of stage fright I remember I was at the audition and I was really nervous and then I did it and I was like okay the audition went all right I guess and then I got one of the lead roles so that was cool I, I don't know if it was based off all my talent I think maybe it's just because I've been going to the church for a little bit and they needed a boy but you know, whatever, here we are. So yeah, I, it was, it was a cool experience to, I just instantly fell in love with being on the stage right there. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. So is that, do you think that's the moment you were like theater, this is the thing, or was it later for you? 
I'm not sure if it was that. I, I think that kind of led me to it. But I would say the first time I really fell in love with theater was in sixth grade. I, uh, I, I was like a you know sixth grader in a middle school where sixth, seventh, and eighth. So I tried out for the school show, and I was like, oh, you know, kind of same thing to the church show, because I had been doing very small shows. So, you know, in like little black box theaters with other kids who were all around the same age, like that third, fourth grade. Um, and then, yeah, so it was the middle school show, which is like a huge deal when you're in sixth grade. You're like, wow, man, it's the middle school show. And it was The Lion King. And I loved The Lion King growing up. So I auditioned thinking, all right, I'm, I'm going to be young Simba or I'm going to be nobody. And so I auditioned. And I, I remember I went over to the cast list and I looked at the, the list and it said um, young Simba. And then it was the guy who was playing young Simba who wasn't me. So I went to science class and I was like, oh man, this sucks. So then I went to check and I was like, all right, I guess I'm on the ensemble list. So I looked, my name wasn't on the ensemble list. So I rechecked the the regular list and I was Scar. I was like, what? What? No way. So yeah, so that that show was so awesome because I had a great director, Susan Brown, who really just believed in me and trusted me with that part, despite being so young. Um, And so doing that show, like the first show, I was like, man, this is so cool to be just like, a total badass up there like yeah villain which is so not me i'm a pretty like i guess soft-spoken guy you are so to, to play that part was pretty crazy um and just like to get that audience reaction and make them feel scared or intimidated whatever it was to be able to like evoke that emotion that's really when i fell in love with it well i think i could say on behalf of emily and myself that we need to see a video of young Ben yeah. as scar I can get that to you for sure. Just don't show it in public. No, it wasn't that bad, but yeah. That's so wild. Yeah, like you said, that's not your personality in real life. So I think that's cool. That's kind of your first like breakout role, I guess. Yeah, totally. It was it was cool because it and then I played Gaston the following year, which is another one of those parts which isn't really like me. And then I got a role that's kind of similar to me, which is Bert the next year. So it all kind of came back. And Mary Poppins? Yeah, Mary Poppins. Ah, great show. I can, I can see it was Bert. Yeah, it was, it was fun. But yeah, so there you go. That's kind of how I fell in love with it. And since then, it's just the love has grown so much. And I think like COVID-19 has really showed me how much I miss it, you know? Because you, you can take granted, you or you can take for granted like those things that you have, like being in a show like Lame Is. Like Lame Is was such an awesome experience. Like you have no idea. Just the sheer talent in that cast was insane. Really so to like be a part of that, like was so cool. And the fact that I haven't done that for almost a year, it's just, it's like heartbreaking to me, but it's also so exciting. Cause I know that when I get back into it, it's going to be like so awesome. Yeah. That first day back when we can all get back together and see each other and hug each other and be in that room, it's going to be magic. And I think that it was, it was magic before, but I think that we're all going to have such an appreciation for it now that, like you said, it wasn't, it was always there, but it'll bring it after this experience. We'll kind of have it heightened in a way. Oh, absolutely. Totally. We were saying last week, like, yes, we have been so, so lucky to be able to have so many virtual and outdoor opportunities, but till the fact that we get to do it like back to normal, like, I think it's just going to be not life-changing for us but like yeah because we're gonna have such a newfound respect for 
like what we love and what we love to do. Yeah. And I also think like a, a respect for the audience and to just be able to feel them in the room. Cause like you can do all the virtual performances that you want and you can do the outdoor performances with like limited audiences or whatever, but it's just to have like 400 people in one room seeing your show. It's just such a cool feeling. Absolutely. Like and reacting live. Oh my God. Absolutely. I, like we said, we've had some of that sort of minimal experiences and some outdoor stuff, but just, yeah, when you get that experience, that community, just sharing that with the, that energy in that room, again, it's magic. It really is. So let's circle back to Les Mis, because that's now been two years, guys. What? Oh my God, we're old. Wow. <laughs> we were freshmen when we did that, the three of us. And yeah. That's crazy. Now we're juniors getting ready for college. Uh, applications to college scary so Peyton I actually don't think I've ever heard this story because I mean as you said you live in Philly and we're out of New Jersey with um Pixie Dust players where we all met doing Les Mis so how did you find your way to Pixie Dust okay this is this is also a cool story so I did this show with Leora Haberfield um she does like these cabarets in New York and, and, you know, it's like smaller stuff in, you know, like, like cabarets where they're, they're eating food. And so it's not, it's not a big theater, but it was just something to do. So I did it and it, it was great. It was a fun experience. Um, but then she, I don't know how Lindsay and her know each other, but apparently they do. So I got an email from Leora saying like, Hey, they're looking to cast people in this Les Mis show in New Jersey. And so yeah, like I kind of got that email through this just show that I did, which I, I didn't really have ties to the Cedar company. It was in New York. I didn't really know anybody except for like one person. So it was just a random pop-up for me to do that show in the first place. And then to get these connections where now I'm like at a theater company with Pixie Dust, where I have like such great friends, such a great director, like all this awesome stuff that just happened to me with this show. So yes, it's a cool story to just down the lines where things connect. And it's such a full circle because isn't Lame is like your favorite show of all time? Absolutely. Yeah, still is. That's so cool. Sure. So now walk me through your, you're in the audition room for this show. What's going through your head? Because I know you ended up booking the role. It's like one of your dream roles for this show. What's this like for you? Yeah. Um, so I, I got in and I specifically remember, you know, I did, I did the audition. I think I auditioned for... So Anjouras, who is who I played in the show, Marius and Valjean. Those were the three roles I auditioned for. And I remember they had like everybody there for Anjouras and then less people for Marius, less people for Valjean. I think there were only like three people there for Valjean. And then there were basically all the boys were there for Anjouras. I remember we sang the, the song Red and Black all together. And I walked out because they we, we had to like take a break, I think, or something. And my dad was like, man, these kids are good. Like he'd never heard that kind of talent from all boys before. And he was just like, wow, this is awesome. So right then and there, I was like, man, it would be pretty crazy if I booked a lead role on this show to like with just the sheer talent, like I've been saying with this show, it's so awesome. Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up getting Andre Ross and being in that room. I, I, there's nothing like it still to this day of just the amount of talent that was there with boys specifically which is so hard to find yeah because i mean 
if you don't know Les Mis at all, it's a very male-driven show. So sometimes in community theater, it's all, it's sometimes harder to find guys who, one, are as talented as Peyton. Um, and so that show was just incredible for all of us. My favorite moment was still Peyton dying on the barricade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't I, like, move my arms or something in rehearsal? Because, yeah, like, probably. there's a scene... <laughs> basically where I'm on the balcony and like my head and my arms flail over the top this one when I die spoiler alert um and I think for one of the rehearsals my arm was just like swinging by accident and Lindsay was like Peyton you're dead you can't be swinging your arm (laughs) I distinctly remember this day because I in the show I was like ensemble with I was on the barricade with you guys and just I remember that day distinctly and like just all of us behind you could not stop laughing. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't see it, but we just, we felt that pain. <laughs> yeah, you knew what was happening. It was also so cool because this show was double casted. Emily and Peyton were in one cast, I was in the other. But um, during the other cast shows, I was working backstage. And at one point in the show, we flipped the barricade around. So I remember I was near Peyton when I did it and I was just trying so hard not to laugh because he's just flailed o- over this barricade. And like, were you holding the flag at that point? I was, yeah. And my back was like cracking because I couldn't, like there was nowhere for me to really, because I'm backwards. It's not even like I'm forward hanging off. Like my face is facing the audience. So like your body is not supposed to bend that way. No. So my back was curved in such a weird position and I just had to hold my tears in. I was like, oh, this hurts so bad. There are some really, really horrifying images of you just bent over in just the most strange position. <laughs> yeah, I feel like an acrobat. From the stage. Yeah, it was like an acrobat moment. And just like the red, like the bloodshot red of the lighting that we had was... Oh, so cool. It was like Maybe we could post that on like the Instagram of like... That would be... be like, awesome. guess Peyton Brunick and then put a picture of it or something. Yeah. I don't know. That show was shot so followed by your shot where you're dead. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. You could just like put the shot of me being dead with a red arrow. Like this is Peyton. No need for headshot. <laughs> Nothing else. No other contact. <laughs> it's just so cool because we're all so close now, but this is the first show that we all did together. And it's just so crazy that within two years, we've all become so close. And that's just the great thing about theater that it brings people from all over. So like all with one common interest. It's just incredible. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. I think especially at Pixie Dust, we all really kind of found our people. And it's wild because, again, yeah, like you said, Jesse, it's been two years, but found a really good clan. And I think we've all stuck together, which is wild, especially through this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a family. Like, I can go to any of, anybody that I was friends with in that show. Like, I can just go to for anything it'd be there so it's just so cool to have that absolutely so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your latest project so Peyton you just started a theater company in the middle of a global pandemic as, as one does. does once or twice right a day. <laughs> you guys haven't done that you know I just it's next on the list <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I know you talked about as you're starting this company is sort of part of the inspiration was following the shutdown, finding new ways to innovate theater. 
So let's talk about Broadway shutdown just for a split second. Where were you when you found out that Broadway was closed? Yeah, so Broadway, when it shut down, it was it was crazy to me because there was just so much going on at once because I had just seen my school show, which I wasn't in, but I, I saw that. Um, and like, I had just seen it. I just had a live theater experience. So I was like, okay, maybe we can keep this alive. We'll see. And I was also going to play Shakespeare or something rotten with you guys. Um, so I was like really hoping for that to happen. And then all of a sudden it just shut down. There were all these school shows around us that shut down. Um, something rotten obviously got shut down and then Broadway shut down. So it was just a crazy experience to me. Like, wow, this is really devastating this industry. And I mean, so many industries, but really like theater, you just literally cannot do it without, you can't do it like you would normally would during a global pandemic. You just can't. So I guess my inspiration for it was really, you know, seeing the way that it was affecting performers and, being a performer myself just kind of not having really anything to do so I was like all right man we gotta we gotta figure out a way to do this so that's the the mission of new era theater companies to just find new ways so you really can't limit yourself with anything that you do in the pandemic you know as long as it's safe you can't nothing's too crazy like drive-in theater stuff like that virtual performances just any of it you can't limit yourself so that's kind of the mission of new era is just to find new ways to do it. I think that that's just the most inspiring mission. I, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but I think that it's a really unique perspective on it of not necessarily looking at the pandemic as a limit, but looking at it as opportunity to explore new grounds of theater. Yeah, because yeah. growing up, we've always known theater as a performance where an audience comes, sits in, you perform live and you go home. So I think this pandemic's really opened up. I mean, we hate to say silver linings because obviously we've, it's definitely been rough on everyone, but the fact that performers and directors and everyone in the industry has been able to find so many new opportunities is just incredible. Yeah, and I think it, it helps us appreciate like the, the fact that theater isn't just an event that happens it's really something that can help people through things and help the performers and form new friendships and all these things. So instead of just thinking about it, it's like, oh yeah, I was in Les Mis. We did a three show performance and that was two years ago. It's like, well, no, there were all these things that happened as a result of it. And it really just helps you appreciate like the, not the spiritual aspect, that's not the right word, but like just the, the, who, the what you take away from it really the emotional impact that it can have on somebody yeah oh i couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> great way to think about it true that yeah you hit the nail on the head not just as you said it's not just an event you go to the place you see the show you go home you do the show you meet friends you don't talk to them it can be a really life-changing aspect it can provide new perspective and garner empathy in people that I don't think that we could go through this pandemic without any semblance of theater, even if it's in a modified capacity. Definitely. So Peyton, this is also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's your directorial debut as well with this company. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's my first time directing. I've always just done acting, show up for rehearsal most of the time. 
<laughs> um, and yeah, I just like was so used to just doing my own thing, learning my lines, singing, whatever I had to do. But now it, it's directing is, is so much different because not only, and I am in the shows that I direct too. So it's like, I, I'm, I have to act in them. And then I also, you just, you just learn how much there is to handle, like all the lighting, the sound, the scheduling, all that stuff. It's such a, a new perspective. So it was definitely a lot of work, a lot of added stress, especially now because, you know, we were originally going to do an outdoor socially distanced show. Um, but there were restrictions that came out in Philly, well, Pennsylvania as a whole, that said you can't have like more than 50 people at a gathering outside. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know if we can necessarily do the show then. So we were going to do maybe three performances where you could have the people come in like different numbers. So you'd be able to spread people out and just have three performances then. And then there was a snowstorm in Philly. So we couldn't do any of those options. So we had to move it to virtual and then we're eyeing like a, a spring live performance show, which would be cool. Um, but yeah, so it's just cool to like where the, to see where the director has to change things around and learning from experience, how impromptu it is spontaneous yeah because yeah, i'm sure there's so much that you would never even think about as a performer that has to get done that i mean at least for emily and me that we, like, we wouldn't we would never think about so it's definitely something like so cool that you get to experience both now yeah and also like just how to communicate with people and to get your your product off the ground while also having like inspiring the people in your cast to do it. Cause I feel like, you know, there's plenty of directors out there that'll just do their job and then the actors have to do their job and I'm hands off. I did what I had to do. Now they step up. And in a way that that like, that's true that the actors do have to step up, but also if you're a director, you can't control an actor's talent, but you can control the effort that they put in just by inspiring them to do all the work. Yeah. So how would you say you go about that? How, how are you communicating with your cast that you think is different from things that you've heard about or experienced yourself? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just like keeping a, an open relationship with them where you can view each other's like equals working towards the same goal of putting on a great show as opposed to being like the boss and they're working for you. Um, there's only been a handful. There, there have been a handful of directors that operate like that, but all the great ones that I've worked with, they're very much of that same mindset where it's like, yeah, we're working together on this thing, trying to get it to the next level. Um, so yeah, there is more responsibility with a director, but you're, you're being a director doesn't make you any better than your actors. You just have to, you're, you just have more responsibility that you have to, subscribe to and then you work together with the actors to create this great product mm -hmm. I like what you said about not being like you're above them because I feel like that's also sometimes people think if you're in the ensemble you're not as good but with being in a show it takes every little part to put it together because otherwise you cannot do it it's like if you're missing one ensemble member if you're missing one crew member that changes everything so everyone works together everyone's like a puzzle piece that unless every piece is together, it won't operate. It won't show our best self. So yeah. I think that's really cool that you said that. Yeah, and there's been so many times where, you know, I'll do a show and 
like in Les Mis, if I, I was on Jurassic, that was a, a bigger part. But all my parents could talk about was like the rest of the Barricade Boys and how awesome they were, despite not really having a ton of lines. They, they made the show. I mean, what is Les Mis without those Barricade Boys really putting their passion into this revolution that they're leading? So yeah, every, every show has to have, well, you know, not every show, but most shows have an ensemble and that ensemble has to be great. Like what's West Side Story without the ensemble, but Slam is without the ensemble. So you really, it, it helped, being a director helped me appreciate also just like the fullness of a cast. Having a good ensemble, just as important as having a great lead in your show. Definitely, 100%. So let's walk through, um, you just put up your cabaret for the holiday season. So how, talk me through this timeline and this process and your creative process with it. So I had the idea of doing a Christmas cabaret. I was like, you know, this is a, a not a regular Christmas season that we're in. It's, you know, it's supposed to be such a happy time of the year. And here we are stuck in our houses where we can't really do much. We can't interact with each other. So I had the idea of let's just do a cabaret. It would be pretty easy to get together. Just have everybody who's equally as motivated as I am to put some joy into people's lives. Let's just meet up. Let's, let's put some songs together. You learn it by yourself and then show up. Um, so that was the original plan. And then we were going to do it in my front yard, which is pretty big. We probably would have been able to feed or to fit like 150 people in there with social distancing and all that stuff. Um, Maybe a little less. Maybe I'm overshooting it. But yeah, so that was the original plan. And then, like I kind of said earlier, with the restrictions and the snowstorm, it just, we couldn't do that anymore. Um, and so we had to move it to virtual, but it was still cool. It was, everybody was super, super respectful of getting their stuff in. Everybody was motivated to get this show up. So they got their stuff in and, um, I edited it together like the day of the show because this was all very last minute. And then, yeah, I, we put it on YouTube and we got, I think we're at about 400 views right now That's on amazing. YouTube. Yeah. Thanks. We got about a hundred live viewers. So yeah, it, it was great to just, you know, there's a comment section on YouTube. So to me, that was about the closest thing virtually as you can get to like audiences clapping. So when, someone would sing and be like yay go so and so and that's just like so cool because you can't clap nobody can hear you clap and applaud the the awesome performances that were going on but it was cool to get that instant like reaction to the show and just know that we're making people happy and that's one of the things that we all love about theater is not only what it does for ourselves but the impact it has on others, which I could, I mean, I know I could speak for all three of us when I say that that's really important to us, just like with our values and that not only, because obviously theater makes the three of us so happy and so many others, but the impact it has on the audience members and anyone even in the show is one of the things that makes us love theater so much. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I will say I was one of the people who tuned into your live show and it was really, really impressively done. I will, I give you such credit for it. Like it was really awesome. And little, as Jesse pointed out, little taste, and as you pointed out as well, tastes of that live experience of, even if it's in a weird medium, getting to feel that presence of, 
yes, I may be sitting in my bedroom watching this, but knowing that other people are there with you and backing up their friends and seeing my friends sing incredibly, um, I think that that's really powerful. So I think that if you have the opportunity to tune into virtual shows, that it does give you little tastes of it. Yeah. Well, it's so amazing that you were able to do this at only 17 years old. Um, I was going to say, what was I doing when, I'm seven, when I was 17? But I am 17 right now, and I'm definitely not directing my own show and starting my own theater company. So it's so incredible that you did that. Yeah, and it, it all happens at different times. You know, like I think finding your passion in life is so important. And not everybody, you know, it's just because I found that at 17 doesn't make me any better than like anybody else, you know? So I think my advice to anybody in the theater world or just in general would be like, find what you're passionate about and go after it. And whenever you find that, that that's great. And pursue it and do it to the best of your abilities that you can just win your circumstances, whatever it is, just go after it. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a podcast about theater, but that doesn't apply to only theater. Like we, we all find our passions in different ways. We all have a common interest of theater, but Emily is very passionate about journalism. I'm passionate about American Sign Language and Peyton's obviously really passionate about theater. But of course we all are, but it's just so important to find the things that spark you and bring you joy. Yeah, I try to live by doing it with passion or not at all. I think that it's important, as you said, to find what you care about and pursue it as much as you can. Definitely. So now Peyton, you also mentioned as I just learned today, that you dabble in writing as well. Yeah, a Emily and I were talking. I didn't even know that she was a writer too because I'm like a big writer. So we just found this out about each other. We were talking for like 15 minutes before we went live and I was like, oh man, Emily writes too? So that was pretty cool. We're gonna um, talk about this now. I'm gonna have to call you later and swap stories. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, so for writing, it's, it's always kind of been a passion of mine. When I was a little kid, I would write these like Harry Potter knockoff stories because I, I love Harry Potter. Um, Wait, I did the not... same thing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I was really convinced I was going to write the eighth Harry Potter book. <laughs> yeah. We need an eighth one. I haven't, read, I haven't read any of the Harry Potter books. I'm sorry. I'm replacing you as co-host now. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's tricky, but I mean, Peyton, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, so I would... So yeah, I always like was reading stuff. I was just watching movies and stuff like that. So I always had a big fantasy brain where I could come up with these crazy stories. So that kind of took the back burner to acting for a while. And then about two years ago, maybe not even two years ago, I, I one of my acting teacher was working on a, a TV show um, and we started collaborating on that. And I kind of learned the ins and outs of screenwriting. I started researching it. My mom would always be like, what are you doing, Peyton, on your phone? Oh, I'm listening to like a screenwriting podcast or something like that. Um, so yeah, I kind of found a passion for, for screenwriting, which is you know, writing for movies and TV. And that, that was cool to, to learn a new experience and take the storytelling that I had learned previously and put it in a new medium. So now I'm working on a show with two of my friends and then my old teacher, which is cool that we reconnected. Um, 
and yeah so that and songwriting too I, I never thought I would really be a songwriter I mean I could sing but I never thought that writing my own songs would be up my alley but I tried it out and I'm having some success with it right now I have some friends who do music so hopefully we're gonna get a single out soon that is so cool I could never so I wouldn't even know where to begin for any of that so that is so cool sorry I just like totally vomited that out that was a lot (laughs) no it's great I love what you said about putting your storytelling in a new medium I think that that's I mean it's a cheesy thing for me to say as a writer but I love telling people stories. I think that it's just the most important thing that one can do. And I love, yeah, there are intersections that I didn't even realize between kind of the acting side of storytelling and putting the stories together in the first place. Yeah, and I think acting definitely helped me with that because the dialogue in writing comes pretty natural to me, which I've heard it doesn't come natural to a lot of writers. So I think part of that was just always focusing on the dialogue and not really ever having to worry about the actual story or the behind the scenes, that kind of stuff with being an actor. So just being an actor, always focusing on the dialogue. I think that's what made me more conscious about the dialogue. It helps me write some good dialogue. But yeah, it's cool because like screenwriting is kind of a limited format it's it's one of the only screenwriting or it's the only like writing medium where that's not the final product because screenwriting is just a blueprint for what's gonna be made um so it's cool to like realize the limited nature of that and how you can't say johnny felt sad you have to show through his dialogue that he's feeling sad or his actions that he's feeling sad without saying that he's sad so it's it's cool to just always focus on those the new nuances of each storytelling method. Yeah, for sure. So cool. I am not a writer. I write like two page stories that are eh. So this is so cool hearing about all this. And I am going to be both of your biggest fans when you're writing, when Emily's writing for the New York Times and Peyton is writing the most popular TV shows and movies. So See, Peyton, now I want I'll you to like, have your class on your storytelling things when I talk to my writers about this. I'm going to have to have you come. Let's and- not get too far ahead of ourselves, <laughs> too. All right, yeah, well. Maybe someday, but not today. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. But regardless, I think that it's awesome that you're getting to dabble in this. And I can't wait to hear your music and watch your shows and read your stuff. And I'm sure that our listeners feel the same way. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to come back on like when that stuff's out and we can talk more specifically about that. That'd be cool. Oh, absolutely. We are definitely having you back on once that really gets off the ground. Takes charge in your life. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I don't get too many like bad comments about this one. So you'll want to have me back. Oh no. We'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that we're ready to shift gears into our um, Broadway breakdown segment, if you guys are down. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So as we said earlier, we want to talk a little bit about, in honor of everybody's favorite, Lin-Manuel Miranda's birthday, which is today, um, on the day that this episode dropped, um, we're going to be talking about Hamilton and how that has influenced us and the Broadway community, and I think it's safe to say the global community at this point. Um, so I don't know if Jesse, you want to talk a little bit about where people 
should know Hamilton from if they have been living under a rock. <laughs> yeah, so if you really don't know anything about Hamilton, in a brief 30-second rundown, it's about the life of Alexander Hamilton, who is one of our founding fathers. The first act takes place during the Revolutionary War. The second place take place about takes place when he became the treasurer for our country um and about the different relationships he's had with different people and emily and i were also talking about before some little facts that we've picked up because we've listened to the soundtrack 300 times and that's probably a minimum that's like Um, nothing there's way more than 300 (laughs) maybe that was in the last year 300 (laughs) Of the, like, what, five years it's been on Broadway? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So one cool fact that I've always thought, well, we both agree that Lin-Manuel Miranda is absolutely brilliant. Yes. So in the first song, Alexander Hamilton, Oak Onawdawan and David Diggs, who play Mulligan slash Madison in Lafayette slash Jefferson, because if you didn't know, in one act, Oak plays Mulligan, and then the next he plays Madison, and then in the first act David plays Lafayette and then the second he plays Jefferson so in the first song they say we fought with him and we think it's so cool because it's like a play on words because in the first act they fought with him in the revolutionary war and in the second act they fought with him with political ideals so just little ways that Lynn was able to work that in it's like I've I think about this every single time I listen to it and it still blows my mind how just brilliantly he was able to set that in and he does that like at different parts in the show and it's absolutely brilliant it's so cool I never heard that before I know Jesse just told me this recently and I was blown away by this and now I feel the need to listen to it over and over again and really drill this into my head (laughs) well I don't know if I can speak for you too Peyton but I know, especially for me, from a writing, like a writing structural standpoint, just listening to that album, watching that show, the level of writing that he was able to produce with this is just mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, he wrote three hours worth of music and every single lyric means something like there isn't one part of the show that's really wasted. Because, I mean, if you think about it, he has to tell 40 something years of history in like one show. So every lyric has to be compacted. And it really is. There's so much meaning in each one. It's just so cool the way he was able to do that because it's like writing lyrics and stuff. It all just comes from your brain. There's, you just got to pull it out. So it's kind of crazy that he was able to put so much meaning into each section of the show and just make the show such a cohesive unit despite being about 40 something years of history. Yeah. I try to live by a lot of people have heard me say this, but I try to live by the philosophy that if you're paying a dime for every single word that you write, are you getting your money's worth? And I think that with this show, he absolutely is. If he's paying a dime for every word, guns and ships will cost him a fortune, first of all. (laughs) And second of all, it really, like you said, it's a cohesive unit. Every single lyric, every song serves a purpose. There isn't one where I'm like, oh, I can skip this one. Like you need to sit and marinate on that album. Yeah, and the themes are much like Lame is, where like they'll repeat each other, um, and it, you know, songs that were earlier on will come back, but in a different way. It's it's so cool. I'm like nerding out over here. Oh, we all are. <laughs> we are all big musical theater nerds. So, 
Hamilton is definitely up there on all of our lists. I think that's pretty safe to say for a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But speaking of the fact that, I mean, a lot of people have seen Hamilton, I think it's safe to say that this show broke Broadway. I mean, economically speaking, the economy of Broadway was changed forever because of this show, just out of how much it was producing ticket sales wise, how many people were trying to get tickets how many people couldn't get tickets, how many people lost the Hamilton lottery, not based on how I lose the Hamilton lottery every day. (laughs) Um, Also shout out because Peyton actually won the Hamilton lottery, which, and as you will learn, I am the queen of Broadway lotteries, haven't won it once. And before Broadway. You never won the Hamilton one? Never. Because I've won over 80 lotteries. It's crazy. So. Yeah, no, that was a surreal experience because I, I was in like biology class or something that I didn't care about at all. And I was, I just checked my phone because I was bored and my dad was like, we're seeing Hamilton. And I was like, wait, what? So I texted, I was like, what do you mean? We won the lottery. I remember you texting me. I still remember I was sitting in math and all of a sudden you texted me that you won the Hamilton lottery. And I was like, I thought you were joking and you very much were not. And I was like, are you Oh my god. Cuz I've been trying for what 4 years to win that and so cool. Wait, when yeah, was well, this? This was last year. Um yeah, like October of last year. But I got the text it was like we're seeing Hamilton, I won the lottery. And I was like, "Oh, do you mean the real lottery or like the Hamilton lottery?" He's like, "The Hamilton lottery." It's like, "Oh, great. I didn't want to win the other lottery. I just wanted to win the Hamilton." <laughs> Honestly, I mean I think that the Hamilton lottery is much more coveted and it's clearly you're getting better benefits. <laughs> that is so cool. But yeah, I think that this show, one of the things that I'm super passionate about and I talk a lot about this and I write a lot about this is how I think it's important that we make theater more diverse and we stop sort of gatekeeping because there's a lot of ways in which it's, it's hard to access theater if you don't, we're lucky that we live close to Broadway or we live in a major city so that we can get tours coming in. Um, And just having that access to theater, having that access to drama programs and the theatrical experience. One of the things that I think Hamilton has done on a lot of fronts is first of all, diverse casting, which is huge, making so many roles for minority actors, which is fantastic. And also breaking down that barrier with that pro shot. I mean, Hamilton is honestly still the hardest ticket on Broadway except for maybe Town prior to shutdown, before COVID, I mean. And the fact that we have a pro shot that you can watch for $7.99 for a Disney Plus subscription is insane. Not sponsored by Disney Plus, by the way. <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to sponsor, that would be, that would be chill. <laughs> yeah, but just the fact that this wasn't supposed to be released until I think October of 2021. So not for over a year or like almost a year. So the fact that one that they even made a pro shot to begin with, but they recognized that everyone was having a hard time with the pandemic and that everyone just missed theater. So the fact that they released the pro shot and gave everyone access to one of the greatest shows on Broadway is so amazing. And if you haven't seen it, go get a Disney plus subscription. Now you will not regret it. Emily and I cried at least four times watching it. And that's at least. <laughs> You're really underestimating how many times I sobbed during It's Quiet Uptown. There's four times I sobbed oh. within that song alone. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I think that just 
it's wild and the cultural impact this has taken the world by storm and this is one of those things where when I talk to people who aren't theater people they could probably name at least one song from Hamilton like this really transcended I have a hard time being objective because I've lived in the theater bubble most of my life but it broke the theater bubble you know everybody knows Hamilton definitely and, and I'm really I, I've said this before too, but I'm very proud that if you're going to have a musical represent musicals, this is the one that I'm, I'm truly very proud that this is sort of our representation to the outside world. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And just like the meaning that it has to America as a whole, because it's, you know, the founding fathers were obviously white, but it's like, I, I feel like it's it's easy to just the view obviously with everything that was going on with with african-americans during that time with you know it's it's just to add that layer where these are these founding fathers are portrayed by minority actors to show like this is your history like this is all of our history as americans this this is what this is what our country is here for so it's cool to add, for Lynn to add that layer of like making it more inclusive of a history to every, to all Americans. Yeah. And it, like you said, it created that space for people to say, well, taking back that history and taking back that sort of level of, yeah, this is America, but this is America where it's not just this, this small room of people, you know, we're all let into the room where it happens. I had to, <laughs> um, of course. but yeah, like you said, it, it allows for, it's an anthem for diversity. It is an anthem for what I think the true heart of this country should be. And it's so fascinating to me because a musical about history and stuff that happened a hundred years ago gave me so much more hope for the future than I thought possible. Definitely. Yeah. And especially in a time where you know, all the protesting that was happening because of George Floyd, like it's just, the timing couldn't have been better because we were at a point where we're, we were just so divided based on like race and racism was so to at the surface in discussions at that point. So to have a, a show that I think was very unifying come out at such a great time when it was already pre-planned for like, you know, months, it, it just couldn't have been better. Yeah, 100%. That's a good point. I didn't con even consider that point of just when the pro shot got released, when even more people had access to this show. I think that, yeah, preaching unity in that time and showing that, yes, diversity is important and immigrants get the job done and preaching that kind of message, especially in this polarizing climate that we're in, there are a few shows more important than this one. Definitely. And I think that's a great message to end on for this yeah. episode like this time just flew by it really did <laughs> I think it's safe to say that we could talk to Peyton about musicals and his life for, for days and a half but <laughs> oh yeah we'll end it there but Peyton let's um where can people find you where can people find New Era Theater Company how can they connect with you and um what should people expect for your future projects that they can keep involved with okay so you can find me at New Era Theater company on the instagram or well you know my my personal one is on there you can follow me there um but yeah you can go to new air theater co instagram 
And also we have a website, which is Peyton.1114wixsite.com slash New Era Theater Co. Um, I don't know if you guys have like a link where you could link that, but if not, it's fine. I just said it. So it yeah, you can your link. Is it on your Instagram that link? Yeah, it is. So you can go check it out there. And we will be sure to link that in our, um, our link tree on our podcast little link thing so that you can find it there too as well. Okay. Awesome. We know we had a link tree. How exciting. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that's where you can find me. And then in terms of upcoming projects, for New Era Theater Company specifically, we're looking to do a spring show, some kind of a live show. We're aiming for like May or June um, to do a live show, whatever that looks like, whether that's limited audiences, distanced audiences, outdoor performance, um, a drive-in show, like a drive-in movie, but with theater. You know, there's, we're, we're navigating a bunch of different options right now. So I can't give like a concrete on, answer on that, but it'll definitely be an experience worth coming to so and then for me personally just like some songwriting stuff and hopefully uh you know with screenwriting with that kind of stuff that comes out but i'm not going to get too far ahead there that when that time comes we'll talk about that and we will definitely touch base with you again so that everybody can keep up to date and we can touch base again about you've got lots of exciting things that are happening and hopefully will be happening soon and i cannot wait to hear all about them <laughs> Yes, because we love Peyton, and I'm sure now our viewer, our listeners do. So I'm not going to leave them in the dark like this. So <laughs> you will be coming back on. <laughs> Perfect. We're holding you to it. <laughs> but I think that that concludes our second episode. So Peyton, thank you again for coming on. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And this has been fantastic to get to catch up with you and talk to you about all these exciting things. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited that we got to do this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. This means a lot. I appreciate it. You're the best. Glad that we could do this. <laughs> All right, so with that, I think that concludes our second episode of the podcast. As always, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter. And we will see you in another two weeks where we will continue these sorts of discussions and touch base with another guest. Thank you so much for listening.